Dear friends, God's manifold riches are yours through God's magnificent love and grace and mercy. Every day his hand touches your life because you are his adopted child of God, one whom he has brought in to his kingdom by transferring you from darkness into that kingdom of his dearly beloved son in the waters of baptism. And so every week we have an opportunity to come together and to hear that magnificent good news and give an opportunity to rejoice and to sing praise and to give thanksgiving for all of these wonderful things that our God and Savior has done for us. And so on that basis alone, I'm happy to be with you this morning. And I know Pastor Loring's happy that I'm here to be with you today too. The office called last Thursday and said, uh, he's still available. <laughs> As he'd asked me the previous week, can you be on standby just in case? I said, sure, happy to do it. So I'm happy to be here. However, you can take that little note out of your bulletin that asks you to fill in the blanks because I'm not preaching on that lesson today. <laughs> so I'm sure you'll, you'll see it again. It'll appear sometime in the near future. Uh, but no, today I'm going to preach on the gospel reading which we have. The gospel reading for today raises an interesting question, a critical question for all of us. But before we get to that question, I know there's a question that's probably uh, on most of your minds in a little higher place, and that's who's going to win the Super Bowl tonight? I saw in the paper this morning that someone in Las Vegas placed a million-dollar bet on the Rams. I'd like to know where that person got his inside knowledge Who's the authority to whom he listened that said, you ought to bet on the Rams? Uh, I have no idea. But who do you think would win? And on what basis? Who's, who's the person you listen to to make that judgment? Uh, is it a sportscaster you trust? Is it a columnist? Uh, is it a former NFL player who's made, uh, made his feelings known about it? And that kind of gets to the point of the question that we want to discuss this morning, and that is, what gives a person authority? So when the newspaper, or when the newscaster says, authorities have said, are you ready to listen, or are you ready to turn the thing off? What authorities do you pay attention to, and to what authorities only deserve a cynical laugh from you? Suppose you went to Dr. A. Dr. A says, I'm sorry, you've only got three months to live. Well, that might shock you, as I suppose it would all of us, unless you had some forewarning about it. So you decide to do what we've all been told to do, get a second opinion. So you go to Dr. B. Dr. B examines you and says, you know, barring some unforeseen illness or some accident, you're going to live a long and healthy life. Who do you listen to? Which is the authority? So you decide, well, let's see how other patients have rated these two doctors. So you go on the internet and you find out Dr. A has a two and a half star rating from his patients. Dr. B has a four star rating from his patients. So then you decide, well, let's go a little bit further. Let's, where did these doctors get their schooling? Dr. A got his schooling at a prestigious Ivy League college in the East. Dr. B got his uh, his degree from a uh, more modest Midwestern institution. So what's it going to come down to? Who is going to be the authority to whom you listen and why? There's a third part that I haven't really talked about, and that is you're probably going to go with which authority tells you what you want to hear. 
And so those are the three, three things of which we base how we're going to give people authority in our lives. Their reputation, their own ability or expertise, and then how does it comport with what I want to hear about such things. Looking at today's gospel from Luke, we hear people invest Jesus with authority. On what basis? He holds no degree from any university. We have no record of him traveling to Athens to sit with the philosophers of the day and learn from them. We have no record that he went to Alexandria and consulted with those wise men. We have no idea that he even sat with the rabbis of his day. In fact, Later on, people are going to listen to him speak and they're going to say, who is this man? We know who his father, his father and mother are, Mary and Joseph. Where did he get such authority? Where did he get such teaching? Where did he get such knowledge? Furthermore, these people who are listening to him in the synagogue, they're fairly low-educated people themselves. How do they know that what Jesus says is truth and trustworthy? Against what can they base that knowledge? They've not heard of Hinduism. They've not heard of Buddhism. They've not heard of any other religion. So what makes them say, this man has authority, and to him we will listen? Besides this, at an early point in his ministry right now, he's got no reputation, he has no big following. And even when he gets a reputation, there'll be just as many against him as there will be for him. Now these are important matters for our time because we live in an age of skepticism. People are skeptical about those who claim to have authority. They distrust authority today. Fake news, scandalous morals amongst the leaders, uh, half-truths that politicians may tell, philosophies that claim there's no such thing as objective truth. Everything is all subjective. Well, it all depends upon this. It all depends upon this. There is no white or black. All these things have come together to erode our trust in any authority, be it legal or be it moral. And so living in this age of skepticism, it leaves us to wonder, is there anything we can believe in? Is there anyone in whom we can put our trust with confidence? What about you? Why have you invested Jesus with authority? Because your parents did? Because you trust the leaders of the churches to whom, who claim to be his representatives today? Is that why he has authority for you? Let's go back to the synagogue for a moment. People say that Jesus' preaching was authoritative. It helped if we knew what he said. Well, we sort of do. We have a summary of it, at least, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the summary was, get ready because the kingdom of God is near. It's coming. That is, God is about to show his rulership, his control over the whole universe in a decisive way. And there's going to be no more ambiguity over what is good and what is evil. God is coming to deal decisively with the evil that contaminates his creation. And that evil is going to lose its authority. In other words, Jesus is preaching that with his coming, the handwriting's on the wall. Evil in all of its forms is going to lose its power. As Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And these people who had felt evil under the cruel oppression of Rome all the way down to being victims of the petty crimes of their village thieves are going to find this is good news. 
But as this story shows, it's not good news for everybody. The demons don't like to hear this, in particular this one demon who was there that day, maybe checking out the competition. This evil, this what Jesus says, poses a grave threat to this evil. So to give Jesus' message a little more punch to show it's really true, the kingdom of God is coming near, watch this. And he says to the demonic, shut up, get out of this man. Now the demon doesn't debate him. The demon doesn't argue with him. The demon doesn't say, oh yeah, who do you think you are? Make me. He simply acquiesces to Jesus' authority, throws the victim down on the ground and leaves the man. And Luke adds this nice little detail. He came out without harming the poor fellow. The people in the synagogue got it right. With power and authority, he orders the demons out and they obey. They leave him. So these people in the synagogue that morning got a preview, a sneak preview of what Jesus was going to do, what God was going to do to rid the world of evil and expel it once and for all. If you go to Northtown Cinema and watch a movie, you know the previous 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so are filled with previews. This is what's coming, this is what's coming, this is what's coming. They don't show you these so you can write it down and say, oh, that's interesting, that's nice, hmm, didn't know that. But those previews are edited in such a way as to draw you in, as to make you say, wow, I'd like to come see that. I'd like to go and watch that one. And so this dramatic preview that Jesus shows these people is to let them know a day's coming when evil is going to be thrashed without harming those whom it has infected. And you won't want to miss out when that takes place. And this is the reason the people gave Jesus authority. They knew, as well as we, evil taints this universe. It warps our sense of right and wrong. It twists our standards of normalcy and decency. It rejoices in the wrong. It delights in creating chaos and misery wherever it goes. No matter what politicians promise, They can't end evil, much less contain it. In the case of New York and Virginia, they're actually promoting it. No matter how many prisons we build, no matter what kind of wall, technological, otherwise we build, evil cannot be ended by those things. Just ask the Chinese. They're the ones who are the experts at wall. The wall's been there for centuries. Did it keep people out? It kept some out, sure, it partially succeeded. But they misunderstood the idea that evil was just on the outside. Just ask all the victims of Chinese communism. They'll tell you how much evil got protected by those walls. They were the victims of the victims of the Chinese overlords even before them. So anyone who can conquer this misery has our attention. Anyone who not only promises that evil can be ended but demonstrates it by way of a preview, has our acclamation. And as it turns out, though, this Jesus is going to do a much greater thing by way of a preview of the new creation that's to come. When evil does its absolute worst in a last gasp attempt to assert itself, it's thoroughly defeated. And that glorious victory we will commemorate and celebrate this coming April as once again we remember how God raised Jesus from the dead. 
And when that occurred, the last enemy, Delph, was, was dealt a terrifying, terrific blow towards its defeat. And by raising Jesus from the dead, God was affirming all that Jesus did, all that he taught, all that he said. It's a tough time in which we live. But then, when in the world's history has it not been a tough time? Who can we believe? To whom should we give our authority and our allegiance, and why? Jesus is the only person God has ever raised from the dead. As I said, it affirmed his words and teachings. Last week, the gospel lesson showed us a time when somebody questioned if Jesus had authority to forgive sins. Remember what he said to them? I'll show you that I have the authority to forgive sins. Hey, you paralytic, get up and walk. And he did. And by doing that, Jesus demonstrates that he has power over the effects of sin, the sickness, the illness, the disease that has caused the world to groan and travail ever since Adam and Eve fell. And now this week, he shows he has authority over those who cause such misery, the demons and all their cohorts. So whether your conscience bothers you over some great sin that you have committed or a whole raft of them, whether you are fearful about the approaching day of death when it comes knocking on your door, whether you feel God could never possibly love you because of the way you've lived your lives, consider Jesus' authority that tells you, put all that stuff aside, put it out of your mind, put it out of your heart. In one of his last meetings with the disciples, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. So go and preach the gospel to the entire world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to not just obey, the word means more than that, to treasure, to hang on to, to value all that I have taught you. And then his authority gives this promise, I will be with you to the close of the age. So whenever you feel God is against you because of all these things, because of the way you feel, set it aside. The authoritative voice of God says, I am with you. Trust that authority above all else. Amen.